Hello, people, and I have the great Rocker Mike. I'm Rob Rossi, and um, we, this is the 160th Rock Show episode. And Mike got a special uh, episode for you guys. Mike, who are we talking about today? We're talking about the great Dave Edmonds, uh, rockabilly guitarist, uh, producer, member of Rock Pile, collaborator with so many different bands, uh, very well respected in the business. And uh, kind of ties into the show we did last week with Nick Lowe, because uh, he did play in Rock Pile with Nick Lowe and produced some of his stuff and did some of his music. So they're kind of intertwined. And actually, I did it again, yeah. Rob. So Mike, I always... I'm gonna hit, Mike, I'm going to hit you off the chart. Yeah. So one of our listeners that loves the show, he say, how does Rock and Mike pick the bands? I said, I don't even have that. I don't even have that answer. How do you pick the shows? Like, you keep doing shows, but everything's interconnected, either on purpose, or is, what is your secret? You know, I, I, I just, I, I give it a little thought, and I say, okay, you know, who haven't we talked about yet, or whatever, and I try to pick things that are, are, are a little, a little out of the mainstream, okay, though we've done, you know, mainstream shit, Guns and Roses, things yeah. like, you know, but, you know, I try to, I always treat this show like rock and roll 101, 
you know, we're going to learn about the important people as well as the the people you might have heard of because they sold a lot of records. All right. So, but one thing that happens, and I was just going to say this, and I don't know how I do it. We've talked about it before. Is I yeah. like Nick Lowe to Dave Edmonds is a straight line because they were in bands together, played together. Yeah. But what I didn't realize what I did is next week's show is Fog Hat. Okay. okay. And Dave, Dave Edmonds okay. Dave Edmonds produced the first Fog Hat record. So, you know, it's, how did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> so, Mike, this is the other question. So, one of our viewers asks, where are we doing a show on MTV video? Just talking about MTV and the creation. Like, like classic MTV videos? You know what I mean, like the, when MTV we were we were there when MTV first started. So yeah. somebody want to know our first reaction. What do we think? Does it change the music music? That's, so that's, something... that's an interesting. We could do like uh, how did videos affect the music business? That kind of thing, you know. Video killed the radio stuff. <laughs> first one, first one they ever played. I actually watched yeah. that video the other night when I was getting lumped up. It was like four o'clock in the morning. I was like. Oh shit! I haven't seen this in a while. Wow! So let's yeah. get back to the yes. Dave Edmonds is a uh, he only had two hits in the United States, uh, a song called um, "I Hear You Knocking" and a song called "Slipping Away." But he was very important in 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 really both sides of of the Atlantic. What was going on in the seventies and eighties? So. Um, he's a Welsh guy. He was born in uh, Cardiff, Wales on April 15th, 1944. Now, he was a bit of a child prodigy, okay, because he was playing in a, a piano band with his brother when he was 10, his older brother. That's, that's so, pretty impressive. Yeah, in 1954, he had this band called the Edmonds Brothers Duo, and he was playing piano. But that would, you know, in a couple of years, that would turn into more rock-oriented stuff. Uh Definitely rockabilly music is a big part of his sound. Not everything. He's definitely like one of the first creator of rockabilly because that really came out of him. Well, he, you know? he he wasn't a creator of rockabilly, but he kept the, the genre going when it was really kind of no one else yeah, was doing I, it. To me, he was the first one that I was like, this is rockabilly. Like, I knew rockabilly, yeah. but... Nobody did it like him. Like, he was, well, he was, he was there. I mean, he was part of the... Um, you know, kind of the Teddy Boy scene in England in the 50s and early 60s. He was young. Yeah, exactly. Was <laughs> yeah. So um, shortly after the the uh, Edmonds Brothers duo, he was with his brother again in a band called Stompers, a band called Heartbeats. That was around 1957. Um, he was uh, the first group that he kind of fronted, okay, was a band called the... Uh, the rockabilly style trio, the Raiders, okay, out of the Cardiff section of Wales. Uh, they formed in 1961 with Brian Rockhouse Davies on bass, Ken Collier on drums, and Dave Edmonds singing and playing guitar. Um, Edmonds was the only constant of this group. There was a couple of different uh, members. Uh, later, they included bassist Mick Still and Bob Congo Jones on drums. Congo Jones would be somebody that would play with him for a few different uh, types of bands he was in. I love that name. Congo? Congo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders were very popular in the south of Wales in the, in the early 60s. Now, in 1966, after a short spell on a Polyphone Records band, 
Hall of Phone Records. Nick Lowe was on them in the late 60s. We talked about that. This is maybe just a couple of years before. Uh, he was in a band called The Image. And uh, at that point, he was shifting to kind of more of a blues rock sound. Uh, he put together with Congo Jones and bassist John Williams and an extra guitarist named Mickey Gee. He started a band called The Human Beans. Now, it was spelled Human Beans, B-E-A-N-S. And uh, not to be confused with The Human Beans, who had that song, No, 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 That's not the same band, okay? Well, but uh, like Mexican beans, like beans yeah. that make you go to the bathroom. Like refried beans, right, exactly. Refried beans. So uh, the human beings played mostly around London and the college scene in England. Uh, they would record a cover of a song called Morning Dew on the British Columbia label, and this didn't, didn't chart at all. It bombed. Now, after 18 months... The core of that band, okay, which was Edmonds, Jones, and Williams, they would form a trio called Love Sculpture. Love and Sculpture. It, that's a much better name. Their first, what'd you say? That's a much better name. A little bit better than human beings, right? Human uh, beings, it, I, I just dropped some human beings in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I took the brownies to the Super Bowl. <laughs> their, their first single... <laughs> Their first single in 1968 was a called uh, was called uh, "River to Another Day." Didn't go anywhere. But their second single, which was a song called uh, "Saber Dance," and this would be a, an instrumental, okay, but it was becoming a hit. It became sort of a novelty hit. It was a reworking of um, Cacciatorian's classical piece. Of, of the same name, Saber Dance, but it was done in like a all guitar, almost rockabilly-ish sound, very fast. Okay, and DJ John Peel picked up on it and started to play it on his show called Top you Gear. Know what's funny? How how amazing is that people make a remake and it does better than the original, especially. Oh well, it was a classical. It was a classical song. If you hear yeah. it, you're like, I've heard this before. But the way they yeah. do it is just it's it's rock and roll. They do it great. So I it ended up, like yeah, it ended up going to top five, okay, and uh, it was actually uh, a, a, a hit, a bit, a little bit of a hit in the United States. It had a little bit of notoriety. Now, Love Sculpture, after two albums, would break up, and Dave Edmonds decided to go solo after that. Now he would have a Christmas time uh, hit of a song called "I Hear You Knocking." Okay, went to number one in uh, in the UK. Okay, and it went to uh, number four in the US. All right, this was a cover of a guy named Smiley Lewis that Edmonds came across when he was producing Shaken Stevens and the Sunsets. Uh, their very first album together, uh, Shaken Stevens had been around in different in different formats, but Shaken Stevens and the Sunsets was the first band that uh, one of the first bands that uh, Edmonds had ever produced. So he was producing their record. He came across this song, but originally now he wanted to do a song called let's work together, which was done by originally by Wilbert Harrison. Um, it ended up that the band canned heat beat him to it, 
But he had an arrangement of that song that he wanted to do. And what he did was he took that same arrangement and he put it into the uh, the song I Hear You Knocking. So it ended up being a hit anyway. It went to number one in England and it went to number four in America. And it was the very first song or single, I should say, on his manager's new label called MAM Records. So uh, it really brought attention to Dave Edmonds at this point. And this was about like 1970, 71. Um, okay, so... When he recorded I Hear You Knocking," it was a big hit. And there was a, a record label called EMI Regal Xenophone Records. They had an option on his contract that they could call. Because of this big hit, what they did is they basically took control of his next album, which was the 1972 album called Rock Pile. Okay. Now, Rockpile would become a band that he would be in later, but he actually had an album called Rockpile before that. Okay. Yeah. And sadly, because of this takeover of this album, where they said you're on our label, all the momentum that he had from '71 with that song "I Hear You Knocking" kind of fizzled. So that that kind of messed up his career a little bit. But uh, well, what record company bullshit? You know, record company bullshit that happens. So at this point, he decided, uh, an off-the-cuff off decision, he was going to take an acting role, okay? And he was in the uh, David Essex film Stardust. David Essex, you might know him. He had one hit in America, uh, the song Rock On. You know that song with a lot of echo in the background? Yeah, and, I love yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love Rock On. Right, right. Now... After learning the trade of producer, uh, he would kind of hone his trade and and his biggest his biggest influence really as far as producing was Phil Spector. So at this point, he was becoming well. Just to mention with the with the movie, he just had a little role as a band member in David Essex's band, but it's the only movie that Dave Edmonds ever did. But uh, as far as the producing, he was starting to be serious about this, and he was interested in producing some of the pub rock bands that were very popular in the early early to mid-70s in England. Uh, this is where he met Brinsley Schwartz. Okay, Brinsley Schwartz, we talked about last week, was Nick Lowe's band. Okay, yep. and uh, he, he produced the Flaming Groovies. Okay, another band we talked about a couple of years ago. Uh, and... He produced the blues rock band Fog Hat's new album, which was yeah. their, their debut album, actually, I should say. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about Fog Hat. Now, that's, yeah, that's what I'd say. The way you pick I don't know, it. I don't know how I do it. I really, I really, it's in my head, you know. But um, Edmonds bought a house in Rockfield, Monmouth, which was a few miles away from uh, Charles and Kingsley Ward's Rockfield Studios. He became a permanent fixture there at that studio for almost 20 years. He would do all his work wow. there. Okay. Uh, and again, his main influence was Phil Spector. And he used to, it was not unusual for him to have like 40 guitar tracks and layer them all on top of each other to create a wall sound. Very similar to the way Phil Spector worked. Yeah. Um, he, he's a lot like a producer, but he's also another guy. He's a uh, world sound. 
And a yeah. lot of people, you know what, that's the thing in the business that some people either love it or hate it. But I think the one sound is great when you record it. Well, you know, you get what you pay for. When you want that wall of sound, you get it, you know. So um, he would release another solo record in 1975, and it was called Subtle as a Flying Mallet. Um, the, Br the Brinsley Schwartz connection brought about an ongoing collaboration with Nick Lowe. Uh, and in 1976, the two of them started the band called Rock Pile. Okay. Rock Very influential Pile. band. Now, it was named after Dave's solo record from a couple of years earlier. Uh, guitarist Billy Bremer and Terry Williams on drums were brought in, and then they rounded up the lineup. Now, because Edmonds and Lowe were signed to different labels that year, they couldn't record anything as Rock Pile. So what they did, and which we talked about this last week, is they many of the solo LPs, right, the solo albums, like Nick Lowe's Labor of Lust, at Edmonds repeat when, when necessary. They were really rock pile records with those members, but they would call them either a Nick Lowe record or an Edmonds record. Why did they have to do that? Like, they were, on two, they were on two different labels together, like the two of them. So they were exclusionary. It was exclusive to the different labels that they were on. They couldn't record for another label. It would be, you'd have a problem. So they had to do it as solo records. Now, um, Edmonds would have more of the hits actually at this time uh there was a song called girls talk a song called i knew the bride i knew the bride when she used to rock and roll that that song uh song called crawling from the wreckage and also uh melvin ensley's singing the blues which was a kind of country rock hit uh all those songs were hits for Edmonds, and uh they were put under the it was the rock pile lineup but under the Edmonds name now, the album Repeat When Necessary and the single Girls Talk both received silver awards by the British Phonographic Industry in 1980. So he was being recognized as somebody very important. Now, unexpectedly, though, after the release of the first and only rock pile record called Seconds of Pleasure in 1980, yeah. the band broke up. Now, post-breakup, the band did a video for the song Girls Talk which was filmed on the roof of the Warner Brothers building in Midtown Manhattan. Very cool video. Uh, Edmonds, yeah, yeah. Edmonds would spend the 1980s pretty much collaborating with many different artists and producing a whole assortment of them, including Paul McCartney, King's Kurt, The Stray Cats, The Fabulous Thunderbirds, and Status Quo. So he was involved with all different wow. kinds of music. Uh, being known as a very good producer. Um, and he I think that does. We listen, how about, we listen to all kind of music. And that's what he did. As a producer, you should listen to all kind of music. You can get a beat, you can get a rhythm, you can get a dance, and you can bring the right people to you. Right. And, you know, if, you, if you're just a good producer, people want to work with you. It doesn't necessarily matter what you've done, you know, music-wise. But, you know, producing is the key. So... I, I think you would make a great producer. You got a key, <laughs> key for good music. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to get involved with that. But, um, you should get involved with that. The Lumped Up Record Label. <laughs> getting Lumped Up Entertainment Records. The Glue. <laughs> glue. Glue Records. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, what happened? Like 
what 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 happened next is he would he would be asked to do the soundtrack to the sequel to Porky's Porky's Revenge. Okay, oh my God, that was a great movie. Yeah, and he he supplied the main theme song called High School Nights. Uh, he was also the musical director for a TV special starring Carl Perkins, with an assorted guest list of like Ringo Starr, George Harrison, Roseanne Cash. Um, by 1989, he was asked to produce uh, Dion's comeback album called Yo Frankie, which was very critically acclaimed. We talked about Dion not that long ago, right? Um, in 1983, he would release a solo record called Information. And two songs on this album were collaborations with Jeff Lynne from ELO. Uh, one song was called Slipping Away. And you might remember this song because it was an MTV hit. Uh, it was a video. He's playing like in a studio, but there's lots of scenes cut in with like race car, like stock car driving around and people yeah. crashing into each other and shit. It's a cool video. I remember, I remember yeah. that 100%. Yeah, yeah. And it got a little bit of ra radio airplay. It ended up going to number 39 in the U.S. charts. Uh, it was really his second American hit, which would be the two that he would have. The first being I Can Hear You Knocking a few years earlier. Uh, but the video did get heavy rotation on MTV, so it did very well. But for some reason, the album did not do well in the UK. It did good here, but not in the UK. So in 1984, Jeff Lynn from ELO got together with Edmonds again and produced six songs for the follow-up record called Riff Raff. That album did a little bit better in the UK. Now, the, se the second half of the 1980s, um, Edmonds recorded less frequently, okay, uh, but occasionally he would still tour. By 1992, he joined up with um, Ringo Starr and his all-star band. You know, Ringo used to go out with that. Uh, and he joined him in 1992. He also joined him in 2000. I got to see him on that tour, which was great. That was the only time I ever saw what David. Venue did, what venue did you see him at? Uh, Jones Beach. Yeah, it was outside. You know, Jones Beach is actually a great venue where you can actually go see them. Yeah, when 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 Ringo was was doing these shows, he played most. It was like every year, every other year, he'd come around. He usually played Jones Beach. Um, so by 2007, he started touring again much more frequently. Uh, he toured with Joe Brown around the UK, and he also joined. The, uh, the Stray Cats on stage in September of 2008 at the Brixton Academy during one of their shows. He just popped up on stage and he played the tracks, The Race Is On and Tear It Up with the Stray Cats. Two great songs. Tear It Up. Yep. Now, in 93, though, he started uh, having some problems. He was facing some legal troubles. Uh, him and Shaken Stevens, if you remember Shaken Stevens and the Sunsets, Shaken Stevens and him were accused of non-payment for royalties for the other guys in the Sunsets when that album was re-released in the 80s on CD, and it did very well. Okay, he did not, apparently did not pay these guys. Okay, uh, these guys' names were Robert Llewellyn, Carl Peterson, Steve Piercy, and Paul Dolan. Those were the members of the Sunsets. Now, the court ruled in their favor, okay? And they had to pay $70,000, or excuse me, 70,000 pounds in in back pay royalties 
to these guys, which they would split four ways. But that wasn't the end of it. Uh, Jake and Stevens and uh, Dave Edmonds had to pay the legal fees for everybody, which came to 500,000 pounds. Right. And that's not like they, I'm sure he had the money, but I mean, like that had to be a big nut to, to do that. You know, I mean, you'd be pissed, you know, but I don't know why he didn't, I don't know what, how, why he didn't pay them. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Now on new year's Eve in 2008, he appeared on Jules annual hoot nanny performing girls talk. And I can hear you knocking. Uh, he was also Holland's guest again. Uh, Jules' annual Hootenanny is something that's done in Holland. Um, I love that. The Hootenanny. Hootenanny, yeah. I think you have a Hootenanny. <laughs> right, right. O- over the next year, uh, he would do a whole bunch of shows in Holland and in the, in the UK, uh, including playing the Albert Hall by November 27, 2009, which wow. is, a, is a big deal. Um, he returned and performed the song Saber Dance on Jules' annual Hootenanny on the 2009-2010 edition. Um, an album release in November of 2013 was called Dot, 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 Again. Okay. And it featured recordings from the 90s. Uh, perhaps some people hadn't heard that stuff. Okay. And four new tracks. And it was his first record in 20 years, almost 20 years that he put out. Um, by 2015... He released his first instrumental album called On Guitar, Dave Edmonds, Rags and Classics. And it featured instrumentals of like the Beach Boys, God Only Knows, and Elton John's Your Song. Uh, Kind of a comeback record, but it would be his last. Okay, Uh, Dave is uh, right after that record came out. He played his final gig um, in 1990. um, Excuse me. 2017 um and retired from the business okay now i was trying to find out exactly why and i had heard he was sick uh i think and i i don't want to say i'm 100 percent sure but i think he has some form of alzheimer's or something like that okay and if i'm wrong i apologize i saw a couple of contradicting things on the internet but uh yeah said i mean he's now Say he just turned 70, right? He was born at 44. He just turned 78. Okay, so let's hope he's in good health. Wish him all the best. But Dave Edmonds, very important guy. I'm glad we got to talk about him. What do you think, Rob? It's, uh, it's incredible. Like, you know what? This guy did, um, it's a guy that became, he was a musician. He worked with a lot of people. He became a producer. And he just—I uh, think he got the love for the for the the business. He got the love for the business, and he works hard. You know, not too many people do that. And he worked to his credit that he made it. You know, he, might have well, he had a great—he had a great reputation. Okay, and everybody wanted to work with him. So yeah, you're right in that way. But yeah. that's the same thing. Like everybody wanted to work with David Bowie. Everybody wanted to work yeah. with Phil so, You know, you get these producers. You get these guys that they become so iconic that. What can you do? You want to work with them. I want this guy doing my album. I want that guy doing my album, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the Stray Cats um, rant and rave record, I believe, is the one that's uh, produced by David. And that's like my favorite record from them. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, I, love, I love the Stray Cats, you know? 
my so, this is a guy that I didn't really know about until you uh, pointed out at me. I never heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love this show so much because you bring up people that we don't know. You were like, let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about that guy. Yeah. You know, that's a credit to your craft. Thank you. And I mean, it's like I said at the beginning of the show, I, I treat the show like, like rock and roll 101. Let's, you know, we'll talk about the stuff everybody knows, but we'll talk about the stuff maybe you didn't hear of, you know? It's not all going to be mainstream because rock and roll has all different facets to it. I still hate Facebook. <laughs> Facebook sucks. And fish. <laughs> fishbone, right? <laughs> I hate fishbone and fish. Yeah. So, all right. So, if anybody wants my, uh, if anybody wants my social media handles, you can find me on Instagram, Rocker Mike Two One Two, Rocker Mike Two One Two. You can find me on Twitter, Rocker Mike Two One Two. I'm also on Cloud Hub, MeWe, Truth Social, Getter, uh, all under Rocker Mike. And of course, think uh, together and Truth Social, because I'm not on there. I think I want to put up videos. Yeah, on there. No, you should. They're starting to take off. Um, and also, of course, I'm, uh, I'm on I'm on Facebook as Rocko Mike. We all know why Rocko Mike and the Rock Show Podcast group page. Just check us out there for our songs of the day and all info and everything like that. Where can we find you, Rob? I would like to tell you people that I'm like a priest. Even though you shoot up a train, you come talk to me. I'm not gonna rat you out. <laughs> <laughs> Lumped up. But you can find me in any social media getting lumped up. Um, go on the uh, Rock page. It's doing very well. We have a lot of uh, members in there. I credit that to Mike. Also, uh, if you don't get it lumped up, we're everywhere. We're like a, we're like a virus. Uh, except for YouTube that they like to cancel us once in a while because they get angry. But it, only happened, it only happened once. Fuck them. Hopefully, Elon Musk will buy YouTube and Twitter. And- you should buy the whole internet. <laughs> you should buy the whole internet. <laughs> Actually, me and Mike would like to give YouTube one dollar. Yeah. To buy it. <laughs> That's all it's worth. <laughs> like CNN, fifty cents. Yeah. yeah. So, Mike, thank you for another great show. We got a lot of great shows coming on. Uh, people, please, um, so the conspiracy theory got a little fucked by YouTube, and we're putting it on other social media, so if you want to see the conspiracy uh, theory, go on Parter, and um, I get the link to Mike, we got a thing, but we're doing, because we do some controversy thing that some people don't like it, and I'm just saying, I'm just saying that. We'll work that problem out, but conspiracy 420, it's still, it's still going on, we're still making the episodes. We still make the episode. Listen to the podcast because it's on um, Anchor. Anchor, uh, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher. Just look under getting lumped up on the regular podcast. It's amazing how everybody else has it except for you two. They don't want to see our ugly faces. Fuck them. You know what? We're two beautiful motherfuckers, man. I don't know about you, but my mommy told me I was sexy. (laughs) And Mike's married to a beautiful woman. We got sex appeal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. other than that, remember people, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. See you next week. Take care, people. The only part.
and everyone you know. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.